0: the professional's choice. This episode is brought to you by NiceJob. Job Job is reputation marketing software that can help you grow your service business. NiceJob's automated tools will help you collect two to three times more reviews and then share those reviews where it matters most. Using social proof and a high converting website, you can be the top rated in your field. New signups can get $50 off when they mention the HVAC Know It All podcast. Visit get.nicejob.com for more information. This podcast is sponsored by the Master Group, and we finally got some products and some tools to review, and I did a little one-minute review on the ICM450. That is a three-phase voltage monitor. Okay, now when I did my little one-minute video, one-minute review on it, there was a lot of fantastic feedback on that monitor itself and how it's protected units against failed compressors uh, because of like uh, single phasing or blower motors or voltage uh, unbalance and high voltage, low voltage, all of that kind of stuff is what that ICM450 protects uh, the loads in the unit from when, when the voltage is going out of whack. So I want you guys to check that out, okay? ICM450, mine was from the master group. Check out master.ca. Hey, what's up guys? Welcome back to the podcast. So we got Roberto Bosco on the horn. Now I think on the horn means like old school way of saying on the phone, but we got internet, we got laptops. It's it's all, the horn is all behind us, I guess. Anyway, Roberto Bosco from Armstrong Fluid Technologies. We are going to talk about uh carbon footprint of a building and its equipment that they put out into the earth's atmosphere and how there's a couple of dates here, 2030 and 2050 there has to be a reduction in these carbon footprints, and we're going to talk about how Vancouver, BC, in Canada here is actually getting ahead of the game, even before these um, sort of dates are, are that we're going to talk about. They're going to they're jumping ahead um, on their own, and and I think other places around the world are as well. But Roberto specifically talks about Vancouver, BC. Now we're also going to get into the talk of optimizing a hydronic system in order to reduce that footprint and how smart technology can help with that so anyway cool conversation i learned some stuff here guys pay attention listen up this is the hvac know-it-all podcast i'm your host gary mccready welcome to the hvac know-it-all podcast recorded from a basement somewhere in toronto canada Your host and HVAC tech, Gary McCready, will take you on a deep dive into the industry, discussing all things HVAC, from storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show.
1: Hi, hi, Gary. I'm doing great. And uh, how about you?
0: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I've been excited to talk to you about uh, optimizing a boiler system because we're heading into the, the heating season. And I know there's some areas in in the world and north america that are still experiencing warmer climate like warmer temperatures uh and we want to make sure that we cover the heating aspect for the, the texts that are in the heating realm right and, and 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 educate them on optimizing a boiler and a boiler loop and and that's what you're here to do but first first of all roberto i'd like you to introduce yourself and and let us know sort of your background within the industry and whatnot
1: yeah, I've been in the in the pump industry and the, let's say in the in the HVAC industry for more than thirty years now. So I'm getting I'm getting old. Um, started my career in Europe. I have um, a uh, um, an engineering background, so um, I started many years ago, and then I decided to move to Canada uh, eight years ago. And um, now I'm working with Armstrong Fluid Technology. Um, as a Western regional manager. And I'm very uh, happy to uh, deal with these new technologies that today are um, helping us, you know, uh, have a better environment. Uh, so uh, I'm evolving together with the technology, even though I've been, again, in this business for so many years now.
0: Yeah, cool. Well, I'm glad you're here. and. The first point we're going to talk about here, I I think is important. And and there's some, some dates in there, um, that we're going to get to as well. So boiler loops and, and, and a path towards reducing greenhouse gases and emissions and, and the dates that you have written, um, down are 2030 to 2050. So do you maybe want to explain that a little bit and then we'll, we'll have that conversation.
1: Sure. Uh, so our governments, Canadian government, actually uh, uh, together with um, uh, the major governments all over the world, um, they're in the uh, intergovernmental uh, panel on climate change, um, and they fixed the world's available carbon budgets uh, to be uh, in the range of 420 giga- gigatons of carbon dioxide equivalents um, by... 2050, in order to uh, keep global warming uh, in the range of 1.5 degrees Celsius. However, uh, we're we're our world's current rate uh, of carbon emissions per year is 40 gigatons, so that will um, last for 10 years, and then we'll exceed those. Uh, 1.5 degrees celsius and uh, the consequence will be um, a higher temperature increase that will significantly alter our climate so we'll have a a um, tremendous impacts on our climate if uh, uh, the, the uh, temperature increase in the world will be more than 1.5 degrees yeah so just yeah, so, so to stay within this carbon budget and to mitigate the effects of climate change, we need to take action now, immediately. We can't wait anymore. So uh, uh, a big uh, uh, improvement can come from buildings because in North America, buildings are responsible for 35-40% of the total energy consumption more than transportation in the industry this was a surprise to me when i started working in this business i thought that transportation and in the industry were uh, consuming more energy than than buildings so uh, and it, it's not it's it's uh, buildings are uh, really uh, um, consuming a lot of energy uh, mainly coming from from fossil fuels so uh, uh, scientists estimate that emissions must be reduced by 40% by 2030 and with respect to uh, 2010 levels. And, uh, and from there, we have to go to net zero emissions by 2050. So very, very ambitious targets, particularly the 2050 one, if we want to stay within the 1.5 degrees Celsius threshold. Gotcha. So uh, sometimes uh, some towns uh, like like Vancouver, for instance, they're trying to anticipate those those targets and to do even better. So the city of Vancouver zero emission building plan says that from July 1st, uh, 2023, household gas boilers, uh, minimum energy performance standards have to meet the condensing technology level. And from January 1st, 2025, also the commercial gas boilers, uh, minimum energy performance standards have to be at the condensing technology level. So in a little bit more than three years, all the boilers in Vancouver have to be of the condensing type. So that's a big change and big investments, um, from, from the owner's side. No, know, let, let, we, can,
0: I, can I ask you a question there? Um, so absolutely. When, do they have to be, so within three years. You're saying everything has to be changed out or within three years, every brand new install has to be a condensing type?
1: So they, uh, the, 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 the existing um, household gas boilers have to be at condensing level. So the, the, the buildings that don't have condensing boilers have to replace them with condensing ones uh, as well as uh, um, you know at commercial level um, they gave a, a, a different timeline, so a longer timeline. So it's January 1st, 2025. Also there, all the borders have to be out of the condensing type. While on new constructions, they're even stricter. Um, so the new low-rise residential constructions have to have zero emissions beginning January 1st, 2022, which is tomorrow morning. You know, and, and the commercial... Um, uh, and retrofit constructions have to be uh, uh, zero emission um, beginning January first, twenty twenty-five. So as you can see, these are very, very ambitious uh, uh, targets, and uh, e- even more ambitious than the 2030, 2050 targets that our governments
0: are giving us. Uh huh. Is is there a reason why Vancouver is going that hard at it and not following along with with the the dates already put in place?
1: Oh, Yeah, that they're they, they want to be uh, uh they want to be greener and greener, uh, so there's the Clean BC Act that they uh, issued, and it's uh it's uh, you know requiring those those targets to have a better environment. So BC is kind of a trendsetter in Canada, um, they're ahead of, um, I would say, any other province, even though Ontario is doing well in those terms, I mean, improving our environment by reducing uh, greenhouse gases emissions. And and their main target um, is to uh, reduce greenhouse gases emissions uh, coming from uh, fossil fuels consumption. Why that? Because they have most of the energy, electric energy, produced uh, by hydropower which is by definition green. So mm-hmm. that's why they're so ambitious and they know they can achieve those goals probably before the other provinces can do because their um, electric energy is, is already mostly green. So that's why they're pushing a lot. Like then anybody has to do it. Uh, they're pushing a lot on electrification. Like heat pumps, for instance.
0: Yeah, yeah. We we've had a conversation on on uh, geothermal loop uh, heat pumps and how some condo buildings are starting to use them for the electrification of buildings and stuff like that. But do you know of any states in the U.S. that are sort of equivalent to what the the targets BC is aiming for? Do you know any states that are doing that in in the U.S.?
1: I know for sure, New York. As a yeah. big ambitious plan, now mm-hmm. um, I can't remember there are a few more towns there are like five or six towns that are moving towards those those targets and and uh, uh, trying to reduce fossil fuel consumption uh, by electrifying um, uh, you know the buildings. Equipment in, in buildings and uh, and also by using more and more new energy sources like renewables, geothermal, and solar, so I know for sure New York is doing it
0: okay so so the the condensing boiler thing we 're still using the, the the fossil fuels there is there any other <laughs> Is there any other ways that we can reduce the carbon emissions besides going with the condensing boiler when it comes to hydronic systems? Is there any other way to reduce the carbon emissions?
1: Yes, absolutely. And and that's why we're talking about electrification. So, um in the in the near future, it's happening now actually. But let's say in the near future, uh we're we're going to use more and more heat pumps, for instance. That's one of the mm, techniques that we can use to reduce greenhouse gases emissions Um, and uh, there are some other techniques like uh, variable refrigerant flow techniques but um, they're not as efficient as um, uh, uh, heat pumps Uh, by the way heat pumps are reversible so you can do uh, both heating and cooling with heat pumps so uh, that's one of probably the, the, the most important uh, uh, opportunity we have at the moment. Then we'll see with new technologies what's going to happen in the, in the near future. Um, as I told you, we, we don't have so much time left. So by uh, 2050, which is in 30 years, uh, we, we really have to go to the net zero uh, emissions, which is not going to happen all over the world, for instance, because you have to consider that in, uh, in some uh, regions like, for instance, Northwest Territories, Nunavut, those temperatures don't allow to use heat pumps when uh, we go down to minus 20, minus 25 degrees Celsius and even lower than that. So we'll, we're still... Uh, um, we still need boilers. We will still need boilers in the near future. In in the near future, in some some places, but for instance, areas like B.C., um, Ontario, e- even Alberta, and in in some extents, um, they won't need any more boilers. So electrification will cover uh, the the whole heating and cooling needs.
0: Okay. Cool. So. Uh, let, let's let's move on to, to to the other other topics on that we have on the i guess the the docket <laughs> if i'm going to be technical here um so if we're going to talk about variable primary variable secondary loops and hydronic hydraulic separation is is so, sort of what you've written down in your notes and and can you explain what those mean so let me repeat those variable Primary variable secondary loops and hydraulic separation. What what does that what is that? So Danfoss has released a installer app. So basically, if you're into hydronic heating, you would use this app for different things. There's tools on there like flow calculators, hydronic balancer, rad presets, and there's also uh, ways to to look up parts and stuff for your hydronic heating systems. So if you're into heating hydronics and you're using any sort of Danfoss parts check this app out because it might be able to help you on your installs and on your jobs going forward this winter. Emotorsdirect.ca, we talked about briefly on the last podcast, I'll mention again, they're an online motor shop. So basically, if you got a motor that you need to replace, um, get the specs, enter it into their, into their search function on their website, and place the order, have it delivered to wherever that job is. So let's say you go to Mrs. Smith's house, right? And... Um, You don't have time. You got to run to a bunch of other calls. You can order the motor and have it delivered to Mrs. Smith's house, right? And then you get the notification when it's there, and then you can go back and change it. So it has an advantage in that way. And there's also an 8% discount at checkout if you use the code HVAC. Know it all. Uh, True Tech Tools, 8% off as well. Here's another promo code where you can save 8% on your purchases use this one's not hvac know-it-all it's just know-it-all um and true tech tools carries a vast brand of tools for the hvac industry like all the brands that you probably use except for a few um the brands that i use are sold there like rls testo navac uh we're talking about haven iaq products all right um cool air products refrigeration technologies all that good stuff is sold there and it's all under the the promo code know it all to save eight percent a few things not included but i'm sure you'll figure that out when if you try to buy a fluke meter and and the code doesn't apply you'll figure that out pretty quickly so check out true tech tools and save eight percent
1: yeah so uh in order to have more efficient loops. Uh, uh, we need for, for sure to upgrade equipment, as I said, you know, condensing mm-hmm. boilers better than traditional boilers, more efficient, and um, electrification. But how can we achieve those goals? It's not just with equipment, also with the um, control philosophy and with new design techniques. So uh, uh, traditionally, a long time ago, we used to have large pumps, large boilers, only one loop that would feed uh, everything you know uh, even the terminals, the most remote terminals so technology evolved um, particularly in europe and now it's it's, um, it's common here too in North America uh, by using let's say rice sizing techniques so uh, we're trying to um, divide the loop, depending of course on the complexity of the building. So if it's a small building, you you still uh, um, can use a verbal primary loop and that's it. Um, But if you have a big building, very complex building, you can have primary, secondary, and even tertiary loops uh, in order to just distribute the water that you need to to the terminals according to the um, demand, to the heating demand, or cooling demand. In this case, we're talking about boilers. So, according to the heat in demand. Why variable speed? Because uh, um, the, 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 the demand in the buildings varies according to um, the period of the day, the period of the month, the period of the year. And also, it varies according to occupancy. So, uh, today, in order to uh, uh, be more efficient, we need to be demand-based. So, demand-based means uh, uh, as soon as the demand changes, we need to change the flow rate we need to change uh, the, the, the boiler firing. So we need to change everything. And if the demand goes down, we need to slow down our system and, and uh, uh, um, use the right amount of energy without wasting uh, energy in excess that we don't need. So that's how the world is evolving. So variable primary and variable secondary loops uh, fit these needs. Uh, what does that mean? That um, we we have uh, variable speed pumps on the secondary loop um, that can be even sensorless, so even more efficient, like our design envelope technology, don't use uh, pressure sensors and they vary according they vary the speed and the flow rate of the system according to the demand and they send a signal uh to smart boilers condensing boilers on the primary loop to anticipate the demand so what happens the the, the boiler on the primary loop gets this signal from the smart pumps on the secondary loop and uh, it turns it into a zero 10 volt signal for the smart pumps on the primary loop so it's uh slows down the pumps in case of lower demand in order to anticipate what's going to happen so it the, the condensing boiler doesn't wait for the delta T to change because as you know temperature and 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 water flow they have a certain inertia you know so uh, um, the the boiler knows before the delta T changes knows it and it starts slowing down the pumps on the primary to keep the delta T at an acceptable level to condense and to, uh, uh, remain so efficient. So that's, and, and in order to do that, you need the hydraulic separation. So, uh, between the two loops, um, you need to install a hydraulic separator that keeps the two loops independent so that you can have a lower flow rate on the variable, uh, primary loop, um, which avoids, uh, boiler recirculation boiler water recirculation uh, to the uh, uh, to the pumps and then back to the boiler and that would increase uh, the, the water temperature back to the boiler and condensing boilers require very cool cold water on on the return so in order to keep the delta T high and to, to be more efficient that's the way condensing boiler works work. Uh, because because of the size of the heat exchanger that they have inside
0: yeah and and just just there might be people listening and and i know that a lot of people know what a condensing boiler is but there's some people listening to the podcast that might not know what that term actually means can you describe um exactly what a condensing boiler is like as far as um, relative to a traditional old older type boiler
1: absolutely so uh, um condensing boilers not only uh, uh use the uh, sensible uh, heating uh, so the the let's say the, the the change of temperature in the water but they also uh, um extract heat uh, from the exhaust gases because the exhaust gases they have um, uh, they have vapor inside. So, what condensing boilers do? They have a mm, big heat exchanger to in, in, incorporate, in, 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 uh, integrated in the in the boiler, uh, to make that water condensate. So they can extract uh, uh, what we call latent um, heat uh, from the vapor. So. Uh, uh, The problem with traditional boilers is that uh, they can't condensate because if they do, um, the condensate is kind of acid and it can destroy the boiler, while uh, condensing boilers are made for that. So not only they um, um, increase the temperature of the water, but also they extract um, uh, heat from uh, from the vapor uh, that. That is in the in the exhaust gases so that's why they're more efficient because um their uh, um, capability to increase the water temperature or to extract heat from uh, the fuel gases is way higher than traditional boilers
0: Mm -hmm. and then because the stack the, the the venting so that the gases the flue gases in the stack um are lower that's that's why we start condensing water, right? And um, exactly. yeah, and that's why we have to have and, and, and most most people that, that work on uh, furnaces like the high efficiency furnaces know that there's a drain, a, a water drain um, because there's actually flu um, within the flue gases, there is water condensing back because the, the flue gases are colder and and because you're removing or you're sorry, you are keeping more of the heat in the system and not rejecting it to the outside. So that's why it's more efficient.
1: Exactly. So yeah. condensing boilers require return water temperatures, a lower than 130 degrees Fahrenheit, 54 Celsius, pretty much in order to condensate. So, and, and the lower the return temperature, the more we can extract the, that latent heat from the flue gases. So release lower temperature flue gases and, uh, and the more the sorry, the lower the, the return water temperature, the higher the efficiency of condensing boilers. So we can go down even to 80 degrees Fahrenheit return water temperature, which is pretty much 27 degrees Celsius, in order to achieve 97% or even higher uh, boiler efficiency. And these boilers work better at partial load. Because the heat exchanger at that point, when you work partial load, the heat exchanger is uh, oversized, so the heat transfer is way better. Mm-hmm. So the the lower the loads on the on the condensing boiler, the higher the efficiency. As well as the lower the return temperature, the higher the efficiency. And this is all due to the uh, uh, way uh, the condensing boiler is built and the way the condensing boiler extracts. Um, heat from the fuel gas sorry from the the exhaust gases
0: Mm -hmm. and and i i totally get the how we are getting smarter and using demand and and modulation (laughs) and and changing the flow rate i get all this because back in the day you'd see these big huge clunky boilers that would be throwing a lot of their heat to the outdoors because they weren't very efficient and they'd run for long periods of time and it would heat up, let's say, uh, offices or apartments within a building or something like that and, and they would heat up so much that people would be opening their windows in the middle of the winter because it You're was so, right. it was so hot right. because there was zero control over, over how what the temperature should actually be. So you got an inefficient boiler running all the time and people opening their windows, so it was just a, a complete disaster, right?
1: Exactly. I, I remember when I was a kid, I used to have my window open because my house was too too hot. You know, there was no control. So what's, what's changing now, it's not just the technology uh, in terms of having uh, um, more efficient boilers and more efficient pumps, because also our pumps are more efficient now, but also the way... Uh, they are controlled and the way they uh, uh, control the demand, so they are smart so they can modulate uh, according to the real needs of of the building of course, we need uh, sensors temperature sensors out- outdoor uh, temperature sensors um, in order to uh, uh, vary the temperature of the water the temperature the the, the, the temperature of the uh, um, of the building, of the, the, the ambient in the building. So uh, we, we, need, uh, we need controls uh, to have um, uh, more efficient uh, heating loops, but also we need smart equipment. So not only efficient equipment, but smart equipment like our pumps or the, the new smart boilers that can automatically uh, vary the speed or the firing uh, in order to match the demand. From the building,
0: yeah, and and I think people can equate that if for, if they're not in the the boiler hydronic realm of, of the HVAC world, but they can they can equate that maybe to like a VRF system that 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 has does the same thing. It modulates to to the demand of of um, specific rooms and stuff. Like for instance, like a, if anybody's worked on a multi-head like a city like a Mitsubishi city multi-type system where it's got one condensing unit and, and, and a few heads. And each zone has their own set point. And, and the the compressors ramping up and down constantly to meet the demand of, of each specific zone. And that technology, I mean, it's been working for many, many years now. And it's been working really, really well. Um, and and I've seen a lot of of these systems through my career. And the failures are are not, really that like there's not a lot of failures when it comes to this stuff um and and I'm surprised that that there's not because you 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 look in these machines and it's just a a bunch of circuit boards a bunch of electronics and I'm like wow like how do I troubleshoot this (laughs) now right but I I was expecting because I have seen so many electronic boards in my career especially that are mounted in outdoor units fail over time um just like little cheap ignition modules and stuff like that. They get a little bit of moisture, they fail, but the, this, this technology that's modulating in these uh, VRF systems have been running really well for a really long time. So if you bring that over to the, 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 the boilers now and the pumps now um, you, you're just getting the best of both worlds is, is from what I see it anyway.
1: Yeah. VRF systems are a different way. So they don't use water. They don't use hydronics. Um to a certain to a certain extent uh, they're not as efficient as hydronics so it's a different way because you use a gas you know to um uh, to transfer heat while uh, uh, hydronics uses water so there's there's uh, some safety issues too that are related to brf so the technology required to install them is very very specialized while dealing with water, everybody's used to it, um, and if you have a leak, it's just water, uh, so it's, it's not toxic, um, So and, and VRF are limited uh, with um, the distance and also with the minimum temperatures, while hydronics, uh, you don't have any limit for the distance, um, uh, just, just the pressure drop. So uh, you might require larger pumps or, uh, you know, um, larger piping in order to have lower pressure drop. Um, but but still, you can get anywhere with water. So it's two different technologies that are taking place now. But the most important point is that they're variable uh, uh, demand, you know, so variable speed um, for, for the respective equipments. Um, because they try to match the demand. And that's that's a very important point uh, that helps us, you know, uh, save energy, because we just deliver to the system what the system needs, not more, not less than that. So that means also a huge and better comfort for the tenants, you know, or for the people that occupy the building.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, one person that would s- totally agree with, with the, the hydronic thing and and the net zero thing is um aaron bond i don't know if if are you on linkedin roberto yeah i am okay so there's a gentleman on there his name's aaron bond and i think his most recent post was an install that he did and it was a hydronic install and it was a net zero home and he's onto this net zero thing right now and he's huge on hydronics and the work that he does is it's it's impeccable. He's got diamond plate, um, uh, uh, on the wall where he's mounted all his pipes and boilers and it's, it's just incredible stuff. And he's, he's been on this for a a bit now with the hydronics and the net zero stuff. And, and he's doing a really good job at it. And if anybody's listening, if you guys are on LinkedIn, he's also on Instagram too, but I can't remember his handle on Instagram, but if you're on LinkedIn, go check out his, um, some of the the images he's posted of his jobs are, they're incredible. And it's all net zero stuff. Well, not all, but most recently net zero with with hydronics um being used
1: yes we're, we're we're just starting with net zero you know buildings uh so we did the first ones in uh, in canada um it, it's um it's a new learning curve for us and uh, and of course uh that's easier in some places and and a little bit more difficult in some other places where uh you know you have cooler outdoor temperatures, like, again, in northern Canada. Uh, so uh, what, what's important is the the energy balance. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, you might uh, produce some energy you're building, you know, with renewables. And, uh, and in some periods of the year, uh, you must reuse that energy. Like um, you, you need the boiler, as I said. So when you go with outdoor temperatures that are lower than uh, uh, 20 degrees uh, Celsius, you you really need the boiler because also the heat pumps, the new heat pumps. Now now they're getting better in terms of, um, uh, you know, uh, facing lower temperatures, but still, you know, extracting heat from uh, uh, air at, Temperature lower than 20 degrees Celsius starts being really tough because uh, that's how a heat pump works. You know, you extract yeah. heat from the outdoor air and you reject that heat uh, by using a compressor and, and all, all the bells and whistles in the, in the heat pump. And, and you reject that heat in the building to heat. Yes, yeah, that's
0: right. You know, yeah.
1: So, so uh, it's, a, it's a tough challenge, net zero, but we're, we're getting there. We have to get there uh, for our environment.
0: You know, yeah for sure so the the last thing we should discuss is is in your notes as well as is, is how the internet um and 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 sort of smart pumps and stuff and uh how, how to optimize our boiler loops using the internet and and smarter pumps these days
1: sure so as i said you need in order to get to those ambitious targets you need uh better equipment more efficient equipment the smarter equipment, uh, better control philosophy. And in, in this case, our uh, the new smart boilers and our design envelope uh, pumps are so smart that they can anticipate the demand in the system and they can exactly match what, what's needed. Uh, another big help now is coming from connectivity. So our design envelope smart pumps have so many features that help manage boiler loops. Um, and not just condensing boiler loops, also traditionally, even though they will disappear pretty soon. Uh, so we're, we're paving the way for sustained performance and smart buildings. Um, our performance manages, man- management system, which is embedded in our pumps, because our uh, all of our design envelope pumps have a chip inside, so they can communicate. And we provide a router them so they can communicate with the internet. Uh, so you you can uh, sit at your desk, and you can uh, enjoy uh, the the features that the Pam Manager that's how our software is called. Um, th- th- those features that uh, deliver real time insights, uh, leading to informed proactive decisions. So an immediate action. So you you not only gets alarms or alerts, but also warnings because uh, the PAM manager provides analytics, real-time information. So it tells you if the pump is performing. And again, if the pump is performing right, the system is performing right. So mm-hmm. the, the, the PAM manager tells you if the pump is performing in, in the right range. Um, and even can even tell you what uh, the energy consumption is not just the electric energy consumption but also it turns to it turns that electric consumption energy consumption into car- carbon dioxide savings so so you can have a nice dashboard where you see uh, how the pump is performing the energy consumption and and the co2 uh, savings. So this is very important uh, when you integrate those systems, those, those pieces of equipment, into an energy management system. Now, many many building owners have those energy management systems because they are mandatory, and uh, and they can they can enjoy all this information um, on 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 their uh, uh, desks directly on their desks. So they don't have to. Go to the mechanical room and see what's happening. Gotcha. they have ri- real time information, and also what we did um, we we integrated um, uh, vibration sensors, accelerometers in our pumps, so you not only have information on the, on the pump performance but also you have information if the pump is working well or not, so we called we call them uh, we call it predictive maintenance. So you get predictive maintenance alerts on your phone or on your laptop by email if something is going wrong. And so we go beyond fault detection. So these pumps are so smart that not only uh, improve the efficiency of the loop, but also communicates with you directly on your phone, on your laptop. And you don't, don't have to go particularly in remote places they're so useful because you can you can see what's happening, and you can take the right actions uh, without going there, finding out, and maybe uh, you need some tools, some stuff that you don't know. So you got to go back and forth. So uh, uh, with uh, this um, real-time communication, uh, y- you you can make proper decisions and improve again the the operation of the whole equipment, and beyond that, you also have data uh, for engineers that can do modeling. You know, for you have a lot of information on flow, head, and power. So usually, this information is rarely collected. So uh, uh, as you can see, uh, the internet connectivity really helps a lot um, improve. Uh, the, the operation and, and the efficiency of those systems.
0: Cool. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard a lot about the... I haven't yet to see the newer um, design envelope pump on a job site, but I'm really looking forward to the day I do because they look super cool and I've been hearing a lot about them. And um, yeah, I, 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 I really enjoyed this conversation because I didn't really fully grasp the... The, the dates when we had to sort of go to net zero 2050 and and i didn't realize vancouver was was going harder at it than than the rest of of uh north america it seems anyway um but roberto thank you very much for your time tonight like it was insightful and and i learned a lot
1: thank you gary uh, yeah this is um kind of uh you know new wave new trends of uh, um dealing with buildings and with uh, with equipment and we got to learn we still got to learn a lot there's a lot to learn for us too in the, in the business and um it's evolving every day so all the yep. companies are making big huge efforts to improve the quality of their products and we are strongly committed to have a better environment. So Armstrong is really um, committed in, in, in first place uh, to improve our environment and to reduce our greenhouse gases emissions. Actually, if you go to our website, you can see uh, the energy savings real time that um, we're helping have, in, uh, have all over uh, Canada uh, with our pumps installed uh, in, in the field.
0: Cool. I'll check that out. Right on the the homepage.
1: Uh, it's on the homepage. You can you can you can you can find it out. You can it, it will guide you to the uh, to the energy savings we're we're having um, uh, due to the new technology that we helped install all Perfect. over. I, I I'd say probably all over the world.
0: Yeah, you guys are a, you guys are a global company. So um, yes, 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 we are yeah.
1: a global company. So the, that those energy savings are probably calculated all over the world. So you, awesome. you will see what the massive um, you know uh, savings are and uh, how how the, they they're helping our environment to get better, also in terms of uh, you know uh, uh, reducing the, the carbon emissions. It's like taking cars off the roads.
0: Yeah, perfect Well, Roberto, thank you very much, man I I enjoyed your time tonight
1: Thank you, thank you so much, Gary for this great opportunity and um, I hope um, that, you know, uh, people will will enjoy this too
0: Hope you enjoyed the show Follow HVAC Know It All on Instagram, Facebook YouTube, TikTok Twitter, LinkedIn and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.